Hey, bubblers, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and joining me today is my tolerated pal, Dozer. And we're here because of a strange and unusual plant. A bloodthirsty, people-hungry, Venus flytrap-looking thing. Little Shop of Horrors. And we're doing our remake versus original. So we will be talking about the 1960 ver- version and the 1986 with Rick Moranis, Ellen Green, uh, Steve Martin, Bill fucking Murray, and uh, John Candy has a, a, a nice little cameo that I kind of forgot about. Shit. Um, hey, Dozer. How you doing, Jen? Pretty good. I'm a little hungry. Someone should feed me. <laughs> That's the best I could get. For some reason, the puns were really hard to come up with. And I just went for the low hanging fruit. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Well, I like we talked about earlier, I was trying to write that musical. Wait, what are you doing? Jen, wait, put your clothes back on. What if your husband were coming and see us? I'm sorry, Josh, but I'm right here. I'm going to have to kill you with this machine gun. Oh, 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 I feel, I feel so very weird. That was great. I love it. If you haven't seen the movie, turn this goddamn podcast off right now and go watch it. Yeah. So many super spoilers for movies that are probably older than, I don't know, some of you listeners? Oh, well, the original's older than... Than us. us <laughs> by a lot. Thank God. By almost 20 years. Phew. Little Shop of Horrors, 1986. Fucking love that movie. Grew up watching the shit out of that movie. It's like I can replay scenes almost like exactly in my mind. I know like almost all the songs, but... I didn't know that there was a 1960 version really until recently. I always thought that the musical that the 80s version is based off of was it. So when I, I think when in talking about it, finding out there was like a version from the 60s with Jack Nicholson and a small kind of Bill Murray-esque role, I was like, what the shit? And then it's not a musical and it's kind of goofy. <laughs> kind of a fun silly little watch and i i don't i don't even know what to say it was i think everyone should watch it at least once what about especially you when it's free especially yeah. when it's free because roger corman didn't actually even uh copyright it at all so i think it's you can just go on youtube i mean i'm sure you're gonna have to watch it with some ads because that's what youtube does but it does, shouldn't cost you anything period like mm-hmm. i think you can maybe even find it on some other streaming uh, uh, networks. I bought it on DVD a long time ago, so it was... Of course you did. Oh, yeah, because I'm an old guy. DVDs <laughs> are what you actually put in these consoles or even something <laughs> called a DVD player and they have movies on them. <gasps> what? I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so the... Uh, but yeah, the 60s version, I think that's if you have like Amazon Prime and you have uh, Prime Video, it's free that way right now so but yeah i'm sure you can watch it pretty much anywhere with ads so so how long how long have you known of the 1960s version oh it's been i want to say it's been quite a while but the only reason i kind of knew that was after watching the 86 version because i bought the dvd and then 
watched the commentary and I didn't realize that there was even an original one for this. Um, and then I, when I, once I saw it, it took me a while to find a copy on DVD. It was, you know, cause you, this was way before streaming then too. So, and it wasn't a huge movie. It's got a cult following, but it's not like it's, I mean, I'm sure you sure a lot of people right now listening are like, wait a minute, this, the 86 is a remake. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it took me a while to actually find one, but once I did, I mean, the quality wasn't very good. It, they took it from the originals. So there's like some scratchiness to it. The sound is really poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually times where you'll like see like the, it, like you're almost watching it on a reel in the, in the thing will flicker a little bit, yep. like the, the film's flickering. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, it took me a while to figure out that this was actually a thing. So, yeah, like I said, I didn't know about it until really more recently, you know, <laughs> If it wasn't for this podcast, I may not have ever known. So, yeah, I sat down and I watched it last night and (laughs) it's just so silly. It is so just silly and but a kind of cute in a silly way, you know, for something in the 60s and everything. I feel like it's aged, you know, it's it's timeless. Like there's really nothing in it that is offensive or problematic in any way. So I really kind of liked that about it. Um, It not being a musical was a little hard for me to get over at first. I'm not a huge fan of musicals, but Little Shops is definitely like my tops. So as I'm watching it, I'm just kind of like, okay, so this is the song for this, (laughs) you know, like trying to figure out like, okay, so they took this scene and did a little musical number with it and that worked well, but I thought it was like the Seymour character was still very much like Rick Moranis Seymour. I could agree with that. I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't necessarily care for the 1960s version of Audrey. They're just what they're just, there's nothing there. I mean, she's adorable and she's sweet and she calls a Caesar an airhead. Totally. She's, they're eating dinner and side note, she's eating dinner with Mr. Mushnick. Like why they, it gave no context to that anyways. And he's like, Oh, this is such a great salad. <laughs> That's funny to me. People are like, Oh, great salads. Um, and she's like, yeah, it's called a cesarean salad. Mm-hmm. And I stopped and I rewound. I was like, she really fucking say that. That's like, Oh, Audrey. So I did. Yeah. I didn't care for sixties. Audrey compared to Ellen Green's Audrey, because she was actually the only actor from the Broadway musical stage production that was in the 86 version. Correct. Reprising her her role as Audrey. Which at that time was, she may have actually been the first person to actually ever do that too, as reprising a role from Broadway or off. It was actually off Broadway. I don't ever think. I don't think it was ever actually on Broadway. It was off Broadway. And then, but I think she was the first person to have ever done that, that go from off Broadway to the theatrical release of that particular film. Yeah, I thought, and I I don't see anyone else in the, in the Audrey role, except Ellen Green, because those fucking pipes, man, she's belting out like suddenly Seymour. It still gives me goose pimples. It's so good. Goose pimples. Yeah. Not what goose do you bumps. call? 
Well, it, they're interchangeable for me anyways. I don't, I don't know. I think a bump is a little more pleasant than a pimple. I'm a popper. So give me all the pimples. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I give you that. I mean, I prefer not to have either one. But yeah. yeah, that's true. But I'll squeeze them. Anyways, that's another podcast. Um, <laughs> I won't so, be on that one. No. <laughs> it's hard. I'm realizing I don't have a lot of other papaholics in my life. <laughs> it's so sad. Eh. Anyways, what were some of your more, what did you like about the original more than, than the 86 version? Uh, well, I wrote number, and I'm glad you asked that because this is actually number one on my thing. Ooh. The The 1960s version had Dick Miller. And anytime you've got Dick Miller in there, just sign my ass up. That guy I love. Really? He was the guy that was eating the, <gasps> yes! eating the flowers. He's been in like countless movies, especially in the horror genre. Mm-hmm. He's probably best known for being what? The neighbor in Gremlins? Yes. Yep. And then the actress that played Audrey in the 60s version, because didn't she go on to play like his wife in the Gremlins movie then too? Uh, you actually may be right. I that's I, th- a good I think I, I read know. that Jackie Joseph is that actress's name. And yeah, she is in Gremlins as Sheila Futterman. Yep. Ah, <laughs> there it is. I forgot. I, I, I thought I me- remembered that, but I, I just couldn't remember correctly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then like a really young baby face, Jack Nicholson, again, kind of playing that Bill Murray esque type character that, you know, goes to the dentist and he's like all about the pain and everything. And he's so, he's so young, but he sounds oh. like an absolute nutter. <laughs> oh, I, to be fair, because of the quality of the one I have, I could barely make out that that was even him. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, I was like, wait a minute, is that really supposed to be Jack? No, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was, I, I didn't realize it was him until further research into it because i saw it and then i read remember reading that jack nicholson was and i'm like well who the hell was he because he didn't <laughs> none of the characters look like him mm-hmm. but anything else that you liked with the 60s version over the 86 version i i wouldn't say that i i liked more but i thought i thought for 1960s and you and you can credit the guy who played uh uh, what's his name? Mel Wells, the guy who played Mr. Mushnick. I thought he was the star of that movie. He made it so funny. He did. I I did really like the Mushnick character, uh, Mushnick in the '60s version. Although I was like, oh, he he lives. <laughs> he makes yeah. it to the end. <laughs> so good for him. But yeah, he was he was actually pretty funny. Um, I liked his accent and then somewhere like kind of in the beginning, he's talking about like, you know, being a big famous florist and different signs, you know, and all these different signs in German or Arabic and French. Like, I mean, that's cool that you're, <laughs> you're multicultural, but what? <laughs> I, I loved his character. I could not get enough of him, mm-hmm. honestly. So other kind of big notice, uh, notable differences I just want to bring up real quick is that, um, you know, like, yeah, so Mushnik lives, uh, Seymour lives in an apartment with his mom, uh, a few blocks away, his mm-hmm. 
so there's a, a mother character who is a, a drunken hypochondriac because she gets that cough syrup that's 98% alcohol and just yep. starts chugging it. Um, the plant eater, uh, Mrs. Shiva. So yeah, she's actually in the 1961, but she's just a she's just a name. I think they only mention her once in a phone in call. The, it, yeah, at the floor shop. Yeah, and I thought, oh, how do you leave that character out? Because as annoying as she was, she was kind of funny. She was, and I really appreciate like the the names that they gave the characters. So like, Mrs. Shiva is. Uh, Jewish little Jewish woman character. And every time she comes into the shop, it's because someone else in her family has died. So the last mm -hmm. name Shiva is kind of the play on that uh, Jewish tradition where you sit for, I think it's like a week, seven days or something uh, after someone dies, you sit. But yeah, the, the sixties character, her name is like city Shiva, like sitting Shiva, Siva or something like that. Yeah. City Shiva. Yep. Yeah. And then in the 60s version, there are actually detectives that we kind of meet and we get the names for. There's like Sergeant Fink, obviously. And what was the other one, like Stooley or something? Well, Sergeant Joe Fink is Wally Campbell. Oh, then uh, Frank Stooley. Yeah. Officer Stooley, I think it was the, uh, yep. maybe the other one. Yep. So I, I did. I appreciated the, the fun little uh, names, you know, especially like with the detectives. And then. Okay, so this one I totally rewound because I was like, did they really just say that just so nonchalantly? But one of the, the detectives are sitting there and they're just kind of real quick banter back and forth. Hey, how you doing, Joe? Oh, good. How are you, Frank? Oh, how's the wife? Oh, not too bad. How's the kids? Oh, last one this weekend. Oh, that's a shame. How'd that happen? Played with matches. Thumbs the brakes. Yep. What? <laughs> Tell you, you tell me you were not in, enamored with the writing with the 1960. I thought that was just absolutely funny because I feel like that's how they probably really would have talked just in real life, let alone in New York, let alone in the 1960s. I feel like I feel like that's just spot on. There was there was some of it that I. So, yeah, some of the writing I did really like. There was a lot of like like the mispronunciations all throughout kind of the movie with the different characters. I thought it was really funny, really subtle um, and really kind of clever. But the overall flow of the movie definitely felt rushed. Like you could definitely tell like this script was written in whatever, a, a few weeks or something. And then the movie shot within a few days. Um, but it, it's still a lot of fun. And just kind of that overacting of the 60s, especially with um, uh, Jonathan Hayes, who plays Seymour all his nervous, exaggerated kind of like body twitchy movements, just comical, just like, and, and his, and his physical humor too, always tripping over things, but the writing, like, so that scene I liked, um, you know, with the detectives, like I said, just these little, almost subtle bits of humor kind of dashed in. So no, but when you say rush, do you, do you know how long they really had to do this? It was something I think I read that it like the script itself. They only wrote the script within like a, a week or so. And then the filming with it, the, the overall movie, the bulk of it was filmed within two days. And then I read two different things. One was that it was like a bet or a dare that they could make couldn't make a movie in two days. Mm -hmm. Then I read that that was somewhat debunked because what was actually happening is that 
at the beginning of the year, they were going to some policy changes basically on how movies are filmed or something like that. So they wanted to try and get one last movie in before these changes went in. Hence the two days of filming in late December. Is that right? You are all you are. You're, you're taking away all my goddamn thunder. I'll tell Fuck you yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <Suck> it, dozer. <laughs> hey, hey, you're doing your research. I love it. Uh, the policy was though, it had something to do with act with actors getting residual rights at the start of the year in 1960. That's right. So in 1959, they tried to rush it so that they wouldn't have to pay the actors the residuals for a re-airing of the show in, in different places on TV or what have you. So that was the big rush for the at least the studio. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that there still wasn't a side bet going on with Roger Corman and somebody else, though, either. Yeah, but that's... The others- I was just going to say that that's like the big kind of rumor. That's the one that floats around the most. And I actually had to, I guess, not a lot of digging, but I just had to keep scrolling (laughs) to find like the, well, actually, this is the misconception, but this is what happened. So I was like, I'll confirm it with Josh. Well, part of the other thing, though, too, is and I forget and I had it up and I lost it somewhere. But apparently the set that they used for the 1961 was going to get tore down at the end of the year. But the studio was just empty for that time when Roger Corman made it. So he was like, well, if you guys don't, if you guys can leave it up till the end of the year, I will, I will use it one last time and pay the studio at least to rent the studio if they didn't tear down the stuff. So that was also another thing too. Oh, okay. I forget what movie it was supposed to be for though. What what set that was for originally. What did you think of Audrey Jr. compared to Audrey 2? I thought Audrey Jr. was funnier, especially when he was talking with Mushnick. He goes, what do you want to eat? You. Me. Yeah, you look fat enough. (laughs) (laughs) I I laughed. I did love, I I actually wrote that down too, that I I loved their little back and forth, uh, Mushnick and Audrey Jr., but it's like when Audrey Jr. was little and kind of starting off with the feed me almost like that smaller before it got all like kind of deep and scary. I was like, that is the most ridiculous fucking voice I've ever heard. I was like, I don't know if I can handle that. But then the voice like aged as the plant got bigger. And it was just really weird to see like the plant open up and it being all like feed me, but not move. Cause there was a couple of times when it was smaller and you can tell it's like sitting on a tabletop with probably just like a hand puppet or whatever. Yeah. But they just, they were not coordinating the movements <laughs> with well, the feed it was me. 1960. I know. So that part did drive me a little bonkers. And then the one thing that I was just kind of like, what the fuck is at one point, like Audrey jr. Hypnotizes Seymour. And he's like, so he goes and wanders the streets and he's, there's a very, like, very pushy sex worker. That's all like, Hey, trying to throw her like handkerchief or whatever in front of him. And he's like, need master or need to feed master. You're too skinny for a master. And then he like accidentally kills her. He did a lot of accidental killing. Oh yeah. 60. Well, even so, you know how they did the one in the, with the train. Yes. But you may tell it. <laughs> no, I'll, let, I'll let you go because you may, you may miss one of it. One of my favorite parts. So go ahead. Oh, just that it was. Um, so a guy dies on a train track, gets hit by a train. <laughs> so 
sorry. It's so fucking ridiculous. Like why? Yeah. What? And then, uh, but the way it was filmed was backwards, right? They had the train back up away from the actor and then just replayed that um, backwards. So it looked like it was coming at him. Cause otherwise if I hadn't read that before I started watching it, I would have, I would have hopped on my phone right away and been really concerned because they like, he comes in contact with the train. <laughs> you know how they got the train? They asked really nicely. Well, that and two bottles of liquor. Nice. That that because they they did this for under. I just had it up here. Under twenty three hundred. Yep, and so they were able. Yes, so a lot of the stuff that they did, and I think with the hearse got as the so when he's running around after <sighs> trying to with the hearse, there was yeah. actually they rented a hearse, but the guy that that owned the hearse didn't have time to get the actual body out of it. So there was a real body in it. What? Shut up. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. When you say rushed, yeah, this was really rushed. They didn't have time to remove a dead body out of a hearse. Mm -mm. Well, even in the scene in, in the dentist's office where, uh, okay. So with the dent, okay. Before I move on to the dentist. So the guy in the train yard, we find out later is like a detective or mm -hmm. a cop or something that had gone missing. And it's like, there's all these like accidental deaths that Seymour is accidentally killing people. So Seymour's bombed. He throws a rock and hits a guy in the head. He falls down and then stumbles out onto the train tracks. And that's how this random dude dies and then Seymour's first reaction is to pick up the fucking pieces in a bag and run around town to try and throw them in trash bags or dump it into a a, a hearse like, yeah like if what you the fuck? If nobody knew you were there you could have just left exactly there was a bottle I'm assuming probably some sort of liquor it's like okay so he's my initial thought was that oh it's just a maybe a transient a drunk or something and yeah just leave it there that got hit by a train it's it's fine it's a accident so i was just like okay because so, like seymour in the 86 version doesn't technically kill anyone because he doesn't kill the dentist and he doesn't kill mushnik but he doesn't stop mushnik from or he doesn't stop audrey too from eating mushnik so in the 60s version seymour goes to the dentist because he has like a legit toothache right correct okay he and the dentist get into it and he accidentally kills the dentist with a scalpel to the where I, well it was he had the drill in his hand the old antique drill yes in his hand and they were having a, i forget what tool the dentist had but they had a, a fight with the tools that would rival star wars as far as i'm concerned that was way better than anything i've seen george lucas do Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm throwing down on George Lucas, man. Oh, fuck. That'll be another episode. You can just rant. That'll be hilarious. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, to be fair, I'm not a Star Wars guy, but that's the first thing I saw when I saw those two dueling it out with the <laughs> drill. And the, like I said, I don't remember what the dent, the other the dentist had, but it was like they were fighting around like they had lightsabers in their hands. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Lucas totally ripped this off. <laughs> but I don't think. Yeah, but I think. That's the only time Seymour kills anybody, though, like intentionally. But even right. then, it's still self-defense because the guy was going to rip out Daniel all his teeth instead of just the one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that is 
but it's just it was so weird because it's like you know the kids are like well where did he stab him i'm like no one knows <laughs> you know you don't angles real bad you couldn't yeah. see where it was so he kills the dentist and then jack nicholson comes in to the dentist's office just picks up just waiting to feel some pain and everything and goes in and seymour pretends to be the dentist stashes the, the actual dentist body and then is like okay jack you can come on in and have a seat in the chair and then plays dentist legit pulls a fucking tooth out of his face well actually a couple of teeth because when we see jack leave the dentist's office he's happy he's grinning and then he's got like the little blackout marks on random teeth yeah <laughs> like okay murders one thing but now like he's straight up pretending to be a dentist and then ripping people's teeth out like damn you are a fucking savage little seymour I was just thinking I would rather kill somebody than actually have to dig in somebody's mouth. <laughs> that just sounds terrible. Yeah. For some reason, it seems like less stinky and messy. Oof. I guess it depends did you, on. My did you happen to see the name of the magazine that Jack Nicholson was reading in, in the uh, waiting room? Okay. Yep. Pain is just pain, pain magazine. magazine. So. But which made it look like Time Magazine. I yeah. was like, is that where that's a real publication? Just out of curiosity, but I didn't look it up. <laughs> He's reading like the whatever article that's in it and getting all excited, like it's some goddamn dear penthouse story. <laughs> but in that, so in the dentist scene, as little Seymour is trying to pop out Jack Nicholson's teeth, he kind of tips back and knocks over all the the dentist equipment. And that was a total accident. That actor did not mean to do that, but based on their time crunch and because they had two cameras set up just kind of opposite ends, similar to how they film sitcoms, uh, they just kept rolling. And so they just cut it off and, you know, let that's where the, the scene ended. So I just love that that was still in there. There's not all this kind of going back and refining a lot of stuff, because I think that really adds to just the goofiness of this movie. I agree. Yeah, even Jack Nicholson even said that they 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 had no ending for that scene. They just kind of went with it and just ad libbed it for the most part. It was it was an interesting. It was interesting. And then in the 60s version, Mushnik has a little bit of blood on his hands because he's yeah. at the shop. Is someone like walks in to rob them. So Mushnik's first thing to do is jump into one of the flower coolers. <laughs> Wasn't there a basement like Seymour came running up out of in the first opening scene? Yeah, but that was on the opposite side of the thing. He'd have was to cross. It? Okay. He'd have to cross the door to and the guy would have seen him then. So gotcha. So but Mushnik kind of he lets he lets Audrey Jr. eat the robber the way Seymour let Audrey too eat Mushnik in the 86 version. So I thought that was kind of a fun little like twist with that character and kind of maintaining something from the original. But yeah, just giving it a, a new little spin. Yeah, I feel like that the, that the 86 version didn't really like they did some homage to the to the 60 version but i feel like they kind of left some stuff kind of out there you know yeah. like it would have been it would have been kind of funny to see how they would have redone dick miller's character in the 86 one like <laughs> maybe it was just too campy for for the 86 one but 
it was just so random. Well, and I also think that maybe kind of get getting rid of that character, the that physical character and Mrs. Shiva physical character in the 86 version, maybe more to play on how like downtrodden this business business actually is, you know, because Miss Shiva in the 60s version is still buying flowers because she keeps having family members die. And Dick Miller keeps popping in and picking up carnations. And then <laughs> so they Salt get them. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got their little bit of, you know, their their uh, their regulars. So I could see that, you know, kind of dropping those two from hanging out in the store in the 86 version kind of makes sense to really show we don't even have regulars. <laughs> yeah. I can we see that. Then. We don't even have a flower eaten regular, but it would have been nice for maybe, maybe just to have a character like that um, kind of wandering the store when it was all busy as Audrey's Audrey two is getting bigger in the 86 version, just like a, a background person walking by in the store with a bouquet of flowers and just, <laughs> And then walks out of frame. I think that could have been cute. That would have been funny. Yeah, that, yeah I, I agree with that. One. That okay. would have been a great way to do that. So when we crashed the, the rumored remake with Chris Evans and rumored Chris Evans and rumored Scarlett Johansson, we'll crash it and we'll just make sure that they like do that at least. Yeah, we'll start I really, picking. I really hope it's not those two. I love Chris Evans, but he's no Seymour. I don't think it's him that's supposed to play Seymour anyway. I think he's actually supposed to be slated to play the dentist. You know what? I'm, I'm going to take that back. Those are just the two big names that are rumored. And I don't think there are roles attached to them yet, like confirmed or anything. So I, I take it back that Evans possibly to be Seymour, but dentist would make a little bit more sense. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that because yeah. there's, there's a little more I want to go into that to well, okay let's let's do the remake at the end or the remake of the remake of the original gotcha <laughs> that sounds good well actually i want to ask you this so yeah. we so our first one was nightmare on elm street which we we said was a remake right because it yes. was supposed to be from the original movie right right yes and and then Friday the 13th was a reboot. Yes. Because it was just with the Jason lore and kind of resetting that. We also mentioned that a reimagining, and I feel like this is more of a reimagining. So I hear, I feel like just on accident, we've kind of hit all three right off the bat. So we've got a little bit of everything. I think you're, you are absolutely right. Yeah. Cause let's see my note uh, remake closely recreates the original film reboot resets the continuity in a particular film series so yep that's the uh friday the 13th movies and then yep the reimagining a remake with one big change so yeah i would say 86 had enough changes from the 60s version that you could call it a reimagining well i would just argue just on the the musical aspect of it alone would yeah. make it kind of a reimagining because that's like something completely different and new that was obviously not in the original. And even how Seymour acquired uh, Audrey Jr. in Audrey 2. So in the 60s version, he 
he bought the seeds from a Japanese gardener. And then there's a comment about the, the, the gardener picked it up from nearby cranberry fields. And I read that there was a time where herbicide got in and into cranberry fields and crops. And so sales plummeted. So that was kind of the joke that these are like poison or mutated or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas in the 86 version, uh, Audrey too is a mean green mother from outer space and he's bad, a straight up alien. Yeah. With plans for world domination. Whereas Audrey jr. Just wanted to eat people. I think. Yeah. They, yeah. There, they never, there was no, there was no definitive goal for Audrey jr. Or anything like that. It was just kind of, well, no, cause Audrey jr. Dies at the end of the sixties version, right? No, Seymour dies. I know Seymour dies, but I think didn't Seymour do something that killed the plant in and of itself too? Because so, I feel like the, with the, the ending, when the pods open up and you see Seymour's face, mm -hmm. it drops down like it's dead. So I'm assuming Audrey okay. Jr. died. So here was my interpretation of it. So yeah, at the end, um, uh, Seymour kind of sacrificed, you know, it's all his fault. So he grabs a fucking table knife and jumps into Audrey Jr. and Audrey Jr. eats them and whatever. And then, yep, we see that his face is now in one of the 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 buds of the plant, which was kind of one of the more freakier aspects of this movie was that yeah. after Audrey Jr. ate the people, their faces showed up in in its little buds that would open up. Totally, that part's kind of totally fucked up. And I really liked that. So when Seymour jumps in with his little butter knife, and the pod opens and it's his face and he's like, I'm sorry, it's all my fault. And then the pod, the butter, whatever kind of drops head, like, almost like in shame. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe Audrey Jr. did die because the main mouth part was open. And then we saw Seymour's face in the flower bud and then kind of, yeah, slumped like it was wilting. But I took it as like Audrey ate him. And he just still had guilt or whatever and just felt bad because he's got low self-image and was like, I'm sorry, it's my fault and couldn't do anything about it. It's very kind of like open like that. I didn't take yeah. uh, my take was not that Audrey too or Audrey Jr. died. My take was <laughs> Seymour's an idiot. <laughs> well, that that's a question I want to get to towards the end, too, because there was a there was a question about this particular well, movies kind of like this that I wanted to ask, but we'll get to the end. When we get to the end, we'll do that. Okay. But I don't really have anything else on the 60s version in and of itself. Do you? Oh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah. The random high school girls in the 60s versions that's trying to buy flowers for their float. And they are somehow just way too enamored with Seymour for creating Audrey Jr., at one point, they like run up to him and hug him. And yeah. I'm like, I think Seymour was just hug attacked by high school girls. That's fucking weird. <laughs> oh, the detective that lost his kid because he was playing with matches. So that detective was Mrs. Shiva's nephew, because in the next scene, when she's in the flower shop, she mentions yep. that her nephew's son died from playing with flowers. And Seymour's like, let's get you some lilies. Flowers or matches? Or sorry, matches. Yeah. So she's there to buy flowers. <laughs> kind of flowers terrible, would you been playing with? <laughs> terrible allergic reaction. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Well, maybe uh, you shouldn't have been eating them. Yeah. Dumb kids. 
The plant can hypnotize people, which was weird. The stalkery sex worker. And then the one really short, like, chase scene as Seymour is kind of running from the detectives with Mr. Mushnick in tail. He goes to some, I don't know, tire yard. And there's all these big, like, tractor tires kind of stacked up, leaning on each other. So he climbs up on a row and runs across it. And then the detectives and Mushnick follow but there's a sidewalk. <laughs> and at one point, like, so then Seymour runs across the tires and down kind of off screen, but then comes back and he's walking on the sidewalk crouched just below the tires. Cause the detectives and Mushnick are still running around kind of on top. And then it just was silly and ridiculous. And I was like, why? Oh, cause it's silly and ridiculous. I think that's it. <laughs> One more, one more thing. So when you, when you talk about how they were like, not, uh, how do I want to say, saying the lines, right. Or saying words, right. Do you suppose that it is, it was just rushed and Corman just said, ah, screw it. We got to move on to the next scene. Anyway, we'll run with it. I think that could, I think absolutely. That's a possibility because again, when Seymour fell off the dentist chair and into the thing, they said that, you know, in, in a normal situation, cut reset retake they didn't they just kept on fucking going so i could see that i could see if maybe some of these misspoken words were not intentional but they kept it because the voice of audrey jr it was supposed to be someone else but whoever was reading i don't remember who was reading the lines uh off screen for the actors but they ended up keeping that voice because it got laughs and, and a good positive reaction and it ended up kind of working. I think with this movie and its time constrictions and everything, I think that's absolutely very possible. Because that's what I was thinking when I was watching it, too. It's like I because I noticed that they that they missed some lines or words or, you know, misset them. And it's like I feel like it wasn't intentional. But like I said, with the time constraint, they're just like, you know what? It's kind of funny. Screw it. We'll run with it. Mm hmm. All right. That, yeah, that's the only other thing I had for that. So, yep. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's about all I've got on the 60s version. I found it entertaining. I think that, you know, it's only like 70 minutes long. So sit and give it a watch. You can watch it, like I said, free on Prime or like you said, probably free on YouTube somewhere with ads. And it's not going to be the worst 70 minutes you spend in front of the TV. <laughs> No, not if you listen to our previous two podcasts. No, <laughs> <laughs> I would actually, I actually recommend like, yes, watch the sixties version. Let me know. Yes. So we want to go on to 86. Sure. What have you got? I mean, oh, I, I love was going to let you start. Oh. <laughs> I, I almost was going to bust out in song, but I was like, no one wants to hear that. I was just going to say I was about ready to log off if you were going to start singing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I would have ended the meeting for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what 86 version. I, I, I grew up with that. I remember watching it a million times. Uh, Steve Martin as the dentist is always my favorite. That's oh. probably that might be my favorite musical number out of the whole movie. It's classic. It's I think timeless. I think you can watch it anytime. It's for a pretty, pretty wide audience. The kids love it. It's and it's fucking 
Rick Moranis, man. I miss that man. Yeah. I'd like to see him come back. He's pretty selective about his stuff. After his wife died, he's been pretty selective about what he does. Yeah. I'd read somewhere that, you know, yeah, wife passed away. So he was raising the kids and he said that over time he just missed it less and less. So I think, I mean, good for him. Um, but the world misses you and we'd love to see, he did pop up in a, actually, a a commercial for aviation or aviator gin, which is Ryan Reynolds gin, um, company. So he did. Pop, really? Yeah. He did pop up in a really short little spot for that. What's it? What is it? I'm gonna have to look that up now. What was it now? It's uh, like aviation gin. I think I'm sure if you just Google Ryan Reynolds and gin, it'll pop up. I just asked the wife. Maybe she knows because she's all about Ryan Reynolds. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. See. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Jin Jin. Jen says hi. <laughs> you got to leave that in the podcast now. OK, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people, I do actually have a wife. She exists. I've seen her. I've met her. I've hugged her. She buys me things. <laughs> She buys you things. She, she buys. I mean, crap. no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, timeless, classic, favorite. Um, I love it. I sent you a picture, but uh, one I think Christmas or birthday anniversary, Timmy got me a small wreath of Audrey too, and it's super cute, I and ask, I love it. I was gonna ask where you got that because that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's. Um, I think he probably just got it off Etsy because I think I saw one somewhere. Etsy or Pinterest, but it was like a really big one. And so he said when he looked up prices, those really big ones were really expensive. So I got the small well, like one. What's really expensive? I don't. It's Timmy. It could have been $40. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I get it. I get it. So yeah, your take on the 86, <laughs> 80, oh. the movie, not just the year. Well, I don't remember much of 86. I think I was seven years old, five years old. I don't know. But well, so starting off, it was kind of funny because, um, so the 60, so the 60 version comes out, it doesn't do very well. Um, but the movie starts to get a small cult following, you know, you know, people dig it. It it, it showed at some uh, festivals got a little more traction. I'm still trying to figure out how the hell we go, from a Roger Corman sixties movie that was written and done in about one week goes to an off Broadway musical. I don't understand where you get from there to there at least. Yeah. I was going to say, did you, so you didn't find anything in your uh, Googling as to who or what or why they decided that we're going to take the sixties movie and, and redo it and uh, yeah. Reimagine it. Nothing that I'm, I, that I think is terribly verifiable or anything sure. like that. Um, there were some things, but it just didn't sound right. And I remember one of the, I think it was the producers of the 86 movie was talking about it. Like, let's, let's take this old movie or, and then add music to it. And he goes, that just sounds like a goddamn terrible idea. That'll never work. Well, lo and behold, so. But I thought that, yeah, because it had been off Broadway, I think for four years previously to the movie. So I think it would have been 82 that the first 
show off Broadway for Little Shop of Horrors. Because the original one is The Little Shop of Horrors, and mm-hmm. then they dropped the the, and now it's just Little Shop of Horrors. So yep. it was, was one thing that I that I thought was kind of interesting. But I still don't know how, how the hell the idea or – it's one of those things like, why would you do it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, yeah, why? Why pick that movie? But, I mean, I'm glad that they did. I mean, they could have they could have just as well picked another Roger Corman movie, Night of the Living Dead, and turn that into a musical. Like I was <laughs> like, what the hell? So I still don't know why. If anybody knows, please let us know because I would love to hear that story. Yes, please. Because yeah, I didn't even think about trying to find. I just you know, I, who knows how these things happen? But that is a really good question of why, why that, why. <laughs> Well, take that 60s movie and make it into uh, an off-Broadway musical and then reworked into a, a movie production. But maybe it's not even that interesting. Maybe it was a bet. Yeah, who knows? Well, if it was a bet, then I'd be like, all right, no, I get it. Yeah, like if you say, <laughs> that makes sense. If anybody's, if anybody says, well, we had a bet, I'll be like, all right, I get it. Because sometimes it's just, hey, I bet you can't do it. Oh, yeah, hold my beer, you know? <laughs> You just exactly. do it just because somebody told you you can't. Yep. <laughs> um, with the 86 version, who's your favorite characters or characters and favorite scenes? And do you have a favorite musical number? Oof. Well, I'm with you. Steve Martin's character takes the cake. Like that. Apparently, he was such a blast to work with on set. And it, it really showed off that he had a lot of fun with the movie. I don't know that anybody had more fun with the movie than Steve Martin did as far as the actors and stuff mm-hmm. went. Um, I agree with you. The I'll be a dentist or son be a dentist, whatever that one's called mm-hmm. is funny. Uh, feed me, you know, mean mm-hmm. green mother are always good. I, I thought Ellen green's voice was good, but I just, I don't know. Her songs always felt a little too mushy and campy for me that I was like, eh, too lovey dovey kind of stuff. Cause the other ones are kind of out there. Like, why would you have a song about a guy who likes to torture puppies and stuff or shoot <laughs> puppies with a BB gun and poison guppies and stuff? Yeah. You know, it's like, why, where do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, even growing up and watching it, I remember um, the one kind of like my bathroom break, you know, pre-pausing and and, and streaming and everything was was Ellen Green's song about um, Somewhere That's Green, where she yeah. sings about that picket house and, and their enormous nine-inch TV. <laughs> Which really puts things into perspective. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they're all sitting around and you know, plastic on the furniture to keep it neat and clean. All right, stop that shit. <laughs> Couldn't help it. You're lucky I just didn't bust out suddenly, Seymour, because that happens and it's really loud. Oh. But yeah, that was always kind of, that's like probably my least favorite musical number, but dentist and suddenly Seymour because she hit some of those high notes with just not that like falsetto but I mean she just belts it out and she's got a fucking voice for days I love it 
Um, and then I love the uh, like the muses, the doo-wop singers. Yeah. Or yeah. Did they have oh they did have names? It was Ronette, Chiffon, and Crystal. Yep. So uh I think they only mention it once though in yes. the entire movie. And that's like right at the way at the beginning. So if you weren't paying attention, you you missed their names. Yep. Yep. So uh Tisha Campbell's probably the most recognizable out of the three. Yeah. But then there's also uh Tashina Arnold and Michelle Weeks. Yep. For me, anyways, Tisha Campbell was the most recognizable, even as a yeah, as I got older and stuff, but well, two um, of the three of them, weren't they in that show, Martin on Fox? Tisha was, and... Tisha Campbell was, too. Tish, she Tisha, was actually the lead. Yeah, Tisha Campbell was, because, yeah, she was Martin's wife or girlfriend, her, his partner, and then... I know I know those names. I know I've seen them in other things. Oh, yeah, Tashina Arnold, and I know I'm probably not pronouncing that her first name correctly, but uh, everybody hates Chris and Martin. Yep, she was on there. Yeah. And then Michelle Weeks, most known for, I think, looks like Little Shops, Little Shop. Because I don't remember her in anything else. Mm-mm. Looks like she did one other thing after this movie, Norman's Corner, as just a listed as teenage girl in 1987. Right. But I love the singers. I love the use kind of using them from like scene to scene and kind of doing the segues and stuff. And then when the animated movie Hercules came out and they had the muses that kind of did the same thing, I totally made me think of little shop of horrors. I'll have to take your word for it. No, I'm not. (laughs) It's pretty good. Anyways. Yeah. I just liked the 86 and it's, I'm probably being super biased because I don't know if I've mentioned that I kind of like this movie a little, um, but I, I love all the the 86 versions of Seymour, Audrey, uh, Mushnik, uh, the dentist more than the 60s version. The 60s version's fine, but they are not who raised me. Well, I think also what what makes the 86 version a little well, I shouldn't say a little better, but I mean, let's face it, the, the, the 86 is way better than the, than the sixties version. I mean, but what also was fun is, is some of the uh, guest appearances like John Candy, Bill Murray, um, the other Belushi. Vince, yeah. Jim Belushi. Well, it depends. It depends if, if, uh, which one is, which one you get it because of the, the other version you get Paul Dooley who is another well-known actor too. They had to do the reshoot, which I don't know necessarily why they had to do that. They both did a, I've seen both versions quite a bit. And I thought, how do I want to say this? Both of them did a great job. I don't know necessarily. And I may have to just go up back and watch just those two, the, the scenes that Jim Belushi and Paul Dooley were in just to see if there was something that they had to change. But I don't feel like they had to change anything from Paul Dooley's character hmm. or anything that he said to fit the new reshoot of the ending. Hmm. Take a small break because I am running out of memory. So Zoom was like, whoa, and it just cut us off. So we figured good time for a break. Let's just go on to the differences between theatrical and director's cut 
So why don't you recap us on what happens in that alternate ending? Well, we'll do the uh, long story short. Uh, Seymour and um, what the hell is her name? Audrey. There we go. I got to get my brain back and <laughs> back in focus here now. Uh, wind up dying in the movie. Uh, which the poll audience absolutely hated. Like they were, they all throughout the movie, they were loving it. They were loving it. And then once Seymour feeds Audrey to the plant, uh, don't worry. She was already dead. She, she had died from injuries previous. So it's not like he just like pushed her in and tried to run off. She was already dead. And her reasoning was at least her death could mean something for him to get out of it. Like if, if she feeds herself to the plant or he feeds her dead body to the plant, it would bring uh, more success for him. So at least her death wouldn't be in vain and he'd be on to live a better life then. Hmm. Well, as we turn out, and as you also find out in the theatrical as well, is that, and this is where it, the, the difference becomes in between uh, Jim Belushi and Paul Dooley is that, they both say the exact, pretty much the exact same thing. It's just the reshoot. And like I said, I'd have to go back and, and see what subtleties were different because I don't think they absolutely had to. Mm-hmm. But it turns out the plant's obviously doing world domination. And so this is where they go back, or Seymour goes back in because he feeds, he feeds uh, Audrey to the plant. He's, he's, he's mortified at what he did. He's, he's mortified at the whole situation. He runs out and he's approached in the uh, director's cut by Paul Dooley, who then lays out the whole idea of taking snippets and selling this plant worldwide and cloning it and all that. Well, then, you know, Seymour finally figures out what this Audrey two is trying to do, goes back and confronts them. But it's, it's so they just, they started the reshoot like right away after the whole, uh, the meek inherit or the meek shall inherit. Mm-hmm. Right after that, when he goes in and he sees how big it is, that's when the story starts to change. It's okay. very subtle from that point on. But then obviously later when, so in the, in the theatrical version, Audrey is in the plant, you know, she gets bit or she tries to water him and he pulls her in. Yep. But Seymour winds up pulling her out. Well, she winds up dying in the, the uh, director's cut because of those injuries. Okay. Out in the alley. He pulls her out in the alley and she dies and she does a quick little rendition of somewhere that's green. Oh, it, 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 it was kind of heartbreaking. So heartbreaking. <laughs> it really was. It really was. And I can see why the audience got all pissed off about it. I feel like I feel like I was doing okay until you're like that small rendition of something. Like, no, it's <laughs> too sad. <laughs> it, it really, it really pissed off the audience and i think that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back or that was the one thing that that kind of got the audience i mean the way but anyway we'll get to this point i'm gonna this is the, the ending is actually like 20 minutes long i may take 22 to kind of describe <laughs> you're probably just better off watching it anyway but anyway but there's a lot going on in there and so after he so she dies he feeds her to the plant he's distraught paul dooley blah 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 goes back in and this is the only time where there isn't really anything different between the two endings because of the production value of mean green mother okay it was such it i think it 
what they say it took. It took like five weeks. Yeah. To shoot just that musical number. That doesn't actually surprise me because that's a really, all that puppetry work and everything is in the voice. I, I that doesn't surprise me. That's a so, long time. <laughs> so just, just for point of reference, when they did the feed me song, they, that one took them roughly, I want to say two weeks, but that's only because it required half as many people to run Audrey too. But, and, and you'll see, so when you watch feed me, you'll see a lot of cuts between the plant itself and Seymour. And they tried to do that because Seymour. So the free, the frame rate of the movie is 24 frames per second. And that's just for regular standard people. The problem is, is because of the stuff that the plant was made out of, like the foam and all that, and the way that they had to maneuver it, mm -hmm. it wasn't able to move fast enough. And so they had to slow the frame rate down so that it could match the musical aspect and the lip movement and the, and the gestures of the plant. Now, when you see them in the same scene, Rick Moranis is actually moving very slow and singing very slow. Wow. And you should hear... You should hear like one of the demonstrations they did. It sounded like something out of a satanic cult hymn or something <laughs> like that. Like it slows down. The voices got a lot lower, but they had to do that so that, so like instead of him running or walking, he's actually just kind of like a, like a slow robot and he's mouthing it really slow. Wow. And they had, so when they did Mean Green Mother, that's what took so long is they had to slow everything down. They had to get the timing right. And Frank Oz even said that during that, they had to get this all done in one, in, not in one shot, but one sitting. Because once this was done, if they missed something, they were done. That oh, was, fuck. it was just done. And so they said they storyboard the hell out of it. Like it took, that's why it took five weeks. Like everything was detailed. Everything had to be precise. And you'll not you'll see that with even um, Steve Martin's character when he does the song when he does his song, mm -hmm. he had to be so many steps away from the door so that when he came in it would come in right at the right exact second and all that when he's opening doors and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it, it, they said it, it was just a nightmare to try to do, but everybody was in good spirits. That's good. So that's the only non difference. I'm gonna go on a rant here. I'm really sorry, <laughs> and not that's a rant, right. but it this is this is a long thing, and yeah. so. Because, like I said, the, the original ending is 20 minutes long, as opposed to the, the theatrical one, which I think was only like half that time. Yeah. Like they just had to reshoot it. They had to get it done quick for the theatrical release, which is why you get that shitty ending with him just putting the electrical the cord hand. on him. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's why you get that shitty ending, not something cool. So, <laughs> Although so you got I, the whole. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I did like at the end, end though, of the theatrical release where uh, Seymour and uh, Audrey, they get, you know, she gets her little house, she gets her someplace that's green, and then it zooms down. And then, like, there's a little white picket fence, and there's a couple of little, little baby Audrey's uh, growing along the fence line. Yeah, so they didn't completely I, wipe that out, wipe it out. I liked yeah, it. I really didn't care about that. See, I liked it. I like that ending. Um, and especially for like 1986, you know, because now we get, you know, with 
the horror movies and everything, we always get that little bit to lead us to think that, oh, leaving room for a sequel or the story's not, you know, story's just not being, is not done being told yet. And the fact that there was no like official sequel or anything to it, I, I really like that it, the theatrical ending that way and leaving it kind of open to like, oh no, what will happen next? Um, when I first watched that, watched the movie with Ross, uh, he said that he thought that the little baby Audrey's, which are so cute. They are like, they're like Mogwai baby Yoda cute. <laughs> but he's like, it looks like a fuck. Well, he didn't swear, but he's like, kind of looks like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. <laughs> he's like, and then he's like, oh, is that how the Demogorgons got there? Bye, Jen. <laughs> Jen says bye. <laughs> yeah, she's off the work. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, shit, they do kind of look like itty bitty Demogorgons. <laughs> He's my mini me. Fair enough. Yeah. So they get done with Mean Green Mother. And you know that at the end that uh, uh, Audrey, too, pulls the pulls the flower shop down. Mm -hmm. And in the theatrical, you know, Rick Moranis is buried, but there's an electrical cable next to him and all his hand pops out, grabs it and shocks Audrey, too. And you know, whatever that was, that was the ending pretty much. And then yeah, obviously her, him and uh, Audrey go off in that white picket fence and blah, blah, blah. Well, what winds up happening then after he pulls down the, the flower shop is he, he picks up uh, Audrey two picks up Rick Moranis and like wraps him around and slowly brings him into his mouth. And Rick Moranis really sold the shit out of it. And like, like it was creepily slow and, he, oh and you know, he starts to digest them and he's got his mouth closed. He's doing the lip thing. And all of a sudden he spits out his glasses and, <laughs> and they're just sitting there. So, so Seymour's dead. <gasps> Suddenly Seymour is dead. Yeah. Well, it doesn't end there. And, and so basically it goes to, I don't know if they kind of hastily did this because I feel like the rest of it after that is just while the effects are phenomenal for, for 1986, mm -hmm. it felt a little rushed. It didn't seem because all it is is then pretty much a musical number called don't feed the plants. That's sung by the, the three ladies that mm. we see throughout the movie. And it's a mont it's, it's a montage of, um, it starts off with a news break that, you know, there's chaos all over the city now. And all of a sudden there's this couple lying in bed watching TV and a huge Audrey too smashes through the window or the wall of their neighbor and is just terrorizing them and choking them and stuff. It's not, it's, it's not as bad as it sounds because it really does look kind of campy, but, and it's just terror. Like there's Audrey twos busting into bars nightclubs they're rocking on the brooklyn bridge they're on top of the statue of liberty one's in the front of a subway and a subway car goes right into its mouth and, and just <laughs> on it. like there's just they're just all over the place and I it's just chaos it. you got the you got, you got the army out there trying to shoot them but apparently bullets don't hurt them i don't know i don't know they got helicopters and stuff i don't know tanks are trying to shoot them they don't hurt them so i don't know like even if you wanted to kill it could it he be even could Seymour even shot it, stabbed it, whatever, even early? I don't know. I don't know. 
But yeah, it basically ends then with them on top of the Statue of Liberty and the finale of the song. And it goes, it kind of spaces out and then it has a picture like it, like it was supposed to be in the theaters and it has an Audrey tube busting through the screen. Like it, it was in the theater with you. It was kind of cool. Yeah. But the special effects were amazing for all that they had to do. It was really cool. And I really wish they would have kept that yeah. as dark as it was. I'm going to have to try and find some of that. Cause that sounds really interesting. And yeah. Cause when I, cause I own it on digital. So I bought it through like voodoo.com. You can buy rent movies and shows and everything. <clears throat> and so it was, it was an impulse purchase. <laughs> Cause I was like, God, I really want to watch this movie. I haven't watched it in forever. Fuck it. I'm buying it. So I didn't get, I don't remember if there was anything that, cause sometimes I'll have all the um, special features and behind the scenes and, you know, commentary and all of that. I think I just got a plain ass version with none of the bells and whistles. So I'll be hitting up the YouTube later to find all of that stuff. Cause that sounds fun. <laughs> oh yeah. And if you need, I can, I'll lend you my, copy of the director's cut but yeah ever since i saw the director's cut i don't even watch the theatrical one anymore just because hmm. i'm i'm always one of those guys that you know the good guys always win i kind of want to see what happens if the bad guy wins mm -hmm. and that's something i actually wrote down like like you mentioned that there was the little audrey two at the end of the theatrical mm -hmm. it would have been cool to see where that would have went but i always wonder like what would I always feel like sequels would be better if the bad guy would just win in the first one. <laughs> and like, I would love to see what the world would look like after all these Audrey twos. Oh, sure. all over the place. Like what happened? Like maybe have a story in between Seymour's death and then all the other, like you could have like a, I don't want to say an anthology or something, but you could have stories of different people succumbing to the plant too. Now, what would you think of something along those lines for this rumored remake? Ooh. As opposed to doing an actual remake of the 86, which is a remake of the off-Broadway, which is a reworking of the 60s version. <laughs> yeah. Would you want something Ooh. more set in a uh, little shop universe where maybe over the time since since then, you know, so maybe Audrey and Seymour, they had their little life. They they got their little happily ever after they had their kids or whatever. And then, hey, there's these weird plants, mom, dad. And and then that's how like maybe their kids got involved. That's how. And so now the plants have taken over and we're coming into something a bit more modern. I mean, doesn't have to be 2021 per se. But since the movie itself was still set like in the 60s, it could could just do a generational jump. And so it'd still take place in the past and not like our current times. But now the world is covered with Audrey's. I would actually really like that idea better. What I, if, if, if they're, how do I want to say? Well, my idea was if they're going to do a remake. So Frank Oz was talking in the commentary that he wanted it to be a lot more gorier and a lot more darker than what it actually wound up being even in the director's cut. Oh, like he wanted like, so during the, after the feed me where he chops up, um, uh, uh, I want to, I've, I wanted to say this, um, Oren Scrivello DDS, 
DDS. DDS. Don't forget it. Yes, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) That when he he had the parts in the bucket, like you were supposed to see a severed bloody head and you were supposed to see the limbs and stuff. And you were supposed to like, it was just supposed to be a, a lot more gorier. And actually see him chop up the body and stuff like that. I would like to see it a lot more darker with the remake. Ooh, and, like, and an, like like no a, songs, but just really make it dark. Just, just like make it like a true, like a true horror movie. Yeah. I would love like the, to see one like that. That's I'd, that's where my money would be. None of this PG 13, none of that crap. Make it straight up R and let's do this and do it right. None of this family friendly bullshit. Mm-hmm. Let's get real with the murders. And I think maybe would... even change up the ending. Oh, so then how would you change the ending in, in that reworking, reimagining? I would like to see something like the director's cut ending, but maybe not on such a massive scale. Like maybe, maybe the at the end you kind of see like a like they would be, it would be a like you could do this as like an end credit scene, like they do in all the Marvel movies. Like there's a there's a scene where where maybe the plant actually is dead, but is but you see like one of the scientists or something take a snippet of it Ooh. and put it in a jar, and then you know you could do something like that with it afterwards. And then now you've got sequels to work with now. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But oh, I'm but what not- about you? Like, how would you do the remake? Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> well, okay. And I agree. I mean, cause there's no way you're going to be able to top the musicals, the musical mm-hmm. side of this. So you should just not even bother. You're already going to fail at that. I absolutely agree with that. Especially if they're trying to, if they're thinking they might use some of the, if they're not going to do anything like original, then yeah, don't, don't touch the music from the 86 version. Um, I, I would be good with, something set within the uh, little shop universe where yeah, let's, let's pick it up. Maybe 20 some years later, some shit's gone sideways. The plants have taken over and how our main characters are going to maneuver through that. Uh, I think something rated R could be a lot of fun and would definitely then be geared towards like, like our generation that grew up with the 86 version, right? Like something more adult bloodier so i i would agree i think that would be that would be more acceptable for me (laughs) that i can i can work with that the only other thing i can think of is is you could start it up as i would actually like to see just a sequel like you know maybe the kids are like audrey audrey and see because audrey and see i don't know like I okay, feel okay. like you're, you're just done with them. So yeah. you, you can't do anything with them. No, you have to kill them off like right away. So if we're going kind of with our idea, so it's they're, they're in their picket fence. Seymour, he loves to weed and garden because he's a fucking nerd and he's out gardening. He's out mowing the lawn. And then one of those wily plants, like, I don't know, maybe he cuts himself on a thorny bush or something. I don't know, but then that's enough to trigger these baby Audrey's to then start to become bigger and overtake and then eventually eat Audrey and Seymour in front of their children. So now that the kids are on a path of revenge, just that classic revenge, the the world's gotten taken over. They've gone underground or wherever you might have to go and hide out. It's a, a 
semi-apocalyptic world. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm going a little far off with that, but that's how I'd like it to open. And then, yeah, we can maybe then catch up with the kids five, seven years later. They're a little older, depending on how old they are when they watch their parents get murdered. And then, yeah, kind of on this path of revenge, they've studied this plant there. They've even pinpointed maybe a section of the galaxy that it's from. And I don't know, do science shit with that. Um, do science shit. <laughs> what about like a prequel? Mm-hmm. Eh. I, I don't know that you could do a prequel because this is the. What does that planet look like? Well, I don't know that you could ever do a story <laughs> about that and, 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 and get it right. Let alone act. I don't even know that that would be good. The only other thing I could think of, and it wouldn't necessarily even have to be a prequel, but you could do something set like, so this was done supposedly in New York, even though they filmed all this in London at a, at the soundstage in London. Um, instead of New York, maybe there's one. So instead of it just being the one Audrey two that landed in New York, Maybe there were five or six of them scattered across the world. One was in Los Angeles at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you could do a separate story on that and maybe see how that plays out. Maybe that one didn't work out so well. Maybe it worked out even better. Who knows? What about it wouldn't be a prequel? No. But what if like, so, okay, we'll, we'll scrap the prequel idea because it's it's fun to say, but yeah, really like, what are you going to do with a planet full of odd? Like how they'd, they have to get real fucking creative with that. But so kind of going off your idea instead of L.A., because the major cities are always getting destroyed. How about it just land like up north Wisconsin? <laughs> See some or you like know, in the middle of Montana and get some like mountain people up in the shit. Or you can do it at uh, Yellowstone National Park and people are, you know, traveling the trail, <gasps> stuff like that. Oh. And they happen to find it. And they, yeah. you know, they pick it up. This is an interesting new flower or whatever. And they pick it up and take it with yeah. them. That could be something too. Absolutely. Like it, like it was misplaced or something. Like they misshot their direction or whatever for that particular one. Yeah. I like it. We should write this. I'm starting to think maybe we should. Hey, this is copyrighted, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> These yeah. copyrighted. This is ours. If the remake happens, will you end up watching it? Yes, but that's only because I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we knew that. I guess that kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean. That's a dumb question on my part. Well, to be fair, you're going to watch it too. Let's not sit there. Yes, I know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll watch it and then we'll be back and probably have so many wonderful things to say about it. I'd be surprised. I'm actually surprised that I had as many nice things to say about the 60s version, Uh, again, being biased and everything. But it's really I mean, I kind of want the kids to see it just so they can see it and kind of get Ross's take on it and everything and be like, see, it's just silly. You know, well, I I feel like it's always good for people to 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 understand where the source material comes from and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like it's. No one's saying you got to love it. No one's saying, you know, you got to devote your life to it or anything like that. But just at least give it a shot. Like you said, it's 70 minutes. It's definitely not the worst 70 minutes as we've talked about the previous two goddamn movies we've we've reviewed so far. So Mm -hmm. anything else you want to add? Oh, I guess I have one last thing. I liked the voice of um, Audrey, too, over. 
Jr. Uh, Levi Stubbs is the voice of Audrey, too. Uh, if you don't know who Levi uh, Stubbs or Stubbles, I guess is his birth name. Stubbs. Stubbs yeah, his birth name's Levi Stubbles. But okay. he is um, he is a four top. He was one of the four tops. So that's how I always remembered him. And and I just thought, especially with the singing, the musical numbers and everything like him and his voice just did an amazing job with that. So I can't at this point picture anyone else in that. Audrey two role. So yeah, I, who would, who would you have even have thought to put in that position? Like there's, there's literally nobody, no one. It's hard because I've never had a problem with him being the voice of Audrey too. So I've never thought about who else I would cast in it. You know what I mean? It's just, it works. So I have no reason to change it, but who do you, what about you? Do you have anyone in mind? Absolutely not. I mean, I, after hearing and, and seeing Levi Stubbs as, as Audrey too, there, I, I, I got nothing. I, mm-hmm. that, that, that guy just tore that down, man. Just so amazing. And so apparently I don't know who this guy is. I've never heard of him, but apparently Billy Porter is slated to be the new Audrey too for the remake. I've um, I haven't I think I've only seen one thing with him in it because I think he was in at least one season of American Horror Story. Uh he did a spot on Sesame Street a while back, and I think he wore like a like a kind of a gown. And so all the conservatives were like, Yeah, man in a dress on Sesame Street. Like, bitch, these are Muppets. Relax. Anyways, um, I've only seen so I've only seen maybe one or two things with him in it. I, I enjoyed his performances in those. So I guess I can maybe see, I don't know if he'll go, if he'll maybe change his voice at all for, for the Audrey role, or if he'll stay more of like a natural speaking voice. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how uh, his work voiceover work would compare to live action in the little bits that I've seen, but I like him. And like I said, little bits I've seen, I'm, I'll give it a chance. So when the studio, when they were, when they were casting for, for the roles, Frank Oz, and I forget who else, like they talked to Rick Moranis after watching Ghostbusters and they already told him like, if you want the role, it's yours. And then they were talking about the part of Audrey and I forget who, who mentioned it, but they were like, why don't we just get Ellen green? She knows it. She plays it perfectly. She's got a voice. The studio actually had mentioned Barbara Streisand for the role. No. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I made the same face. <laughs> <laughs> I made the exact same face. I was like, no, hell no. Hell no. No, no, thank you. Um, let's see. Oh, so I've been watching a quick side note. I've been watching uh, Harley Quinn animated series on HBO and in it, they've got the character Poison Ivy. And so she's got an apartment. She's got all these plants. She happens to have a very Venus, very Audrey looking, Audrey two looking plant. His name is Frank, the plant. He is voiced by JB Smooth, who's done a bunch of other voiceover work as well. Um, but it's supposed to be a straight up uh, homage to Audrey two and Little Shop of Horrors. So because he's got a little bit, he kind of has 
a very similar sound to what uh, we got with Levi Stubbs's Audrey. So that's the only other person I think that could do Audrey, <laughs> only because he does an Audrey-esque character in a different cartoon. I was just trying to think, now that you mention it, well, I can't put my finger on all of them, or even maybe even some of them, but don't you feel like a lot of shows slash movies are paying like they all seem to have some sort of not all the shows but like there's a lot of shows that seem to have like some sort of plant-esque audrey 2 in them like you mentioned poison ivy i know that there was an audrey 2 looking character in one of the ghostbuster video games for the sega genesis that you had to fight (laughs) they didn't call it that i'm sure for licensing rights but it was kind of funny that it was in a ghostbusters video game and that Rick Moranis was in Ghostbusters. So it felt like it was kind of oh, weird sure. in that aspect. A little Easter egg, little Rick Moranis Easter egg. Yeah. So that I thought that was kind of weird. That is kind of weird. I like it though. Yeah. Okay. So I think now, yeah, that's, I think that'll be it for me. I just needed to name drop Levi because he is Audrey. One of the other production things that I found out is that so while they, while they were doing this, they were filming it somewhere in London. It was one of the biggest, it was one of the biggest sound studios in uh, Eastern Europe. And that's where they did all the filming was apparently production just for the set itself took like three months and they were putting it like those, those roads in that were all brick, brick mm-hmm. by brick. Oh my Lord. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the detail that went into all that. Not only so much detail, but they had to fly somebody back to the United States and they bought like they bought. One of the things is, is they bought a crap load of trash cans, the old school, you know, metal trash cans. Mm -hmm. Problem was, is when they bought them, they were new. So what they did is they bought a bunch of new ones, went around to the residents of New York and said, we want your old trash can. We'll give you a brand new one. And then ship the old ones back over to London so they could use them. I think I did read that too. That's funny. (laughs) That just boggles my mind. Like, what the fuck? Hell yeah. I mean, why not? Free brand new trash can (laughs) as a New Yorker. Like, fuck yeah, take the old one. (laughs) Yeah, and they apparently they did that for old cars too. Like, apparently they did buy a new one for somebody so they could use one of these old rusted out ones. And the guy was like, I I think the first two people they tried to solicit for it told them to fuck off. Because it's like, who's going to offer you a brand new car for your jalopy? And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't, you know, but it was, it was so funny that that's the kind of stuff that they did. Like, Mm -hmm. I love that. I love those kind of fun facts. Yeah. If, if you got a chance, listen to the Frank Oz commentary for the theatrical one, because I got the director's one, but there wasn't a commentary for it, which I was really disappointed in like all he did was talk there was a featurette that talked about the the alternate ending and how the fans hated it and stuff but i mean i'm i'm usually okay with like a bummer ending main characters dying and everything but again i think because i just have that nostalgic tie to this and the part of who i am i'm not okay with that <laughs> and i'm glad i didn't i didn't grow up with that who knows i could be a lot more fucked up I don't know. Well, the other thing is, <laughs> it, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I, I remember watching this as a kid and loving the music and stuff like that. But then, you know, after, I think the 
So the official release of the director's cut didn't actually come out to like 2012 for a- actual release. Okay. Like it had been there then like back in 2012, you know, you could probably catch glimpses of it. They had fragments of the original ending on YouTube or, or whatever AOL. I don't know what the time was back then. <laughs> it's the before AOL. time. So <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the discs, one of the many discs you got in the fucking mail. Now that yeah. was way before that, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's so, I don't know, I'm, at being a horror junkie, I'm not, I'm kind of fine with them killing off your main characters or your heroes and having a gloom ending every now and again, because it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, I always feel the world's not that cut and dry, where the bad guys always win, and it's, and like I said, to have seen the bad guys win in this particular aspect, while I like I said, I don't like the whole idea of all these Audrey twos, but clearly there wasn't going to be a sequel if that was the director's cut. Right. So they, this was going to be a one-time thing. But if you're now, if I, I don't know what studio has the rights or who's doing it now, but if you want to make some a series out of this, maybe, which I don't think is necessarily a bad idea, hmm. you know, you, you got a shot now to, to yeah. do this and bring it down to its like I said, rated R sort of thing, you know, and, and really give it the gore. That's what I really want to see is a darker version of it. Just a true horror version. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could, that, I mean, obviously I think they could absolutely work and I would, I would be really interested in that, but I almost feel like in kind of a time where things, and maybe we're starting to wean out of that now, but like, you know, like gritty reboots and dark versions. You know, we kind of joked about like a gritty reboot of, of Grounded for Life. Like <laughs> I was just going to mention that too. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. Maybe, maybe not, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see as the uh, rumored new version continues to maybe move forward. So we'll see what they decide and, and come out with, but I like so it. Horror. One of the other things, and then, I wanted to kind of more or less save this for last, but so this was done in 86 in the sixties version. It hinted on it. Well, it didn't really hint on it, but it played a little bit into it, but it was more active in the 86 version. And that is doing an evil. I don't want to say an evil deed, necessarily but something maybe immoral to get what you want in the end so like it's not that the 60s version had audrey to like talking as much as this 86 and then uh, where am i trying to go with this i know what i'm trying to say but (laughs) i'm trying to compare the two yet still but you saw all the fame and and stuff that came with the feeding of the plant in the 60s version Mm mm-hmm Granted, the plant wasn't promising all this stuff as it is in the 86. Now, what I'm trying to get at is in the 86, if something like that were to happen to you, is that something you're going to entertain? Ugh. I mean, no. <laughs> See, it, the murdering, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's, it's the murdering. You know, maybe... Yeah, you know, like like Seymour does initially, you know, with the finger, you know, just little bloodletting of the fingers and and stuff like that. But when it comes to must be blood, 
must be fresh. <laughs> I'd be like, no, nope, you did it's... that way too well. Just by sorry, the way, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing. I was going to say, yeah. you must be saying that to the kids, <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't think I could unless I would have. Okay. So if I'm out there committing murders to feed my people eating plants so I can achieve fortune and glory, then I'm going to have to go by Dexter rules and kill off baddies. That's the only way I can reconcile murder for fame. <laughs> so you are entertaining the ideas. I am said. now. Yes. Cause <laughs> there's a lot of baddies that need to be well. <laughs> need to get got, but, <laughs> but what I, okay. Oh, well, that's fair. Uh, but that brings up a whole nother conversation that we're not going to go into. Um, but the, the, the thing I was trying to more or less get at is I, I don't know how big, and I'm trying to remember films from that kind of era, that time frame, like 86, like mid eighties, stuff like that, where the moral aspect or not even the moral aspect, but it's kind of like if something is asking you to do these things, to give you what you want. Clearly there's got to be something else involved for them. I mean, and so to me that always, it's like, okay, where's the catch? Where's the mm -hmm. catch? Where's the catch? Even though it's never distinctly brought up until the end of the movie where they're looking, where the plants looking for world domination. Mm -hmm. And I oh. just wondered like, if was that, was that kind of a trope back then a little bit? Was that something that was going on a lot? I, I'm having a hard time remembering. Because back in the early or mid 80s, it was just slashers. It was your Nightmare on Elm Street, your Halloweens, uh, stuff like that, where these monsters weren't necessarily looking for anything. They were just out to kill. But here's one that's offering something to help it, only to have, like in the end, the director's cut, just to eat you anyway to get what it wants. I mean, I can't, nothing that I can think of specifically that was like that. So yeah, it's almost like, yeah, like you said, with the slasher horror movies, it's just kind of, there's, there's no ulterior motive behind the killers other than just, I'm gonna kill you. Audrey too had plans for world domination and was very manipulative about it too. You know, the fallen down, feed me. Like Audrey too was a lot more, especially initially, you, you, you were a lot more a bit more willing to feed it and everything. But once it got big enough and it starts demanding people. Yeah, I, but I don't know of any other, I can't think of anything specific. So maybe it was semi unique for this story. I mean, I'm sure it's happened plenty in plenty of movies and stuff. Like I said, I'm just not coming up with specific examples, you know, cause it's like in the thing, there's no, you know, there's no like, oh, this is what it wants. <laughs> yeah. You're just dying. I don't know. That was just kind of something I was thinking of. Like, well, and especially to have it revealed at the end like that, too. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. But I would always wonder, like, if, if if anybody was to come up to me and be like, hey, I can I can give you everything you want. And I'm like, well, I got 20 bucks. I can just go to the bar and buy my own beer. But, <laughs> you know, what do you got? What, yeah, maybe you got something better for me. I don't know. You got free babysitting? All right, fine. I think that's about it for me. Any final thoughts or 
we did, we did this the, uh, the last time. Let's do it again. Original versus remake. Where do you put it as far as against each other? Just the two, the 60 and uh, 86. Uh, 86 for me, for sure. Uh, but I did not hate the 60s version. I do think folks should watch it. So if you're hearing this and you didn't realize your first time learning that there's a 60s version, go out, check it out. It's I, just do it. <laughs> I have no big selling points for it other than like, it's not the worst use of 70 minutes. And if you are a and fan of this movie, then you'll at least owe it to the fandom to, to give it a sit, to sit down with it once. And like I said, I actually, there were some laugh out loud moments in the sixties version. I thought there, it was very well written. I thought the Mushnik character was by far hilarious, especially in the beginning of the movie, he starts to kind of eh, towards the end. Mm -hmm. But like you said, with his illusions of grandeur, you know, at the beginning and all of a sudden the plant falls down. Now he's talking about how it's going to be his demise and mm -hmm. all that. It's just, <laughs> The way the way it was said, the guy, the actor was just absolutely phenomenal. Really good. So, yeah. Yeah. What about you? I agree. Uh, hands down. And I'm not even going to say that even the theatrical version is still one of my favorite movies. But the director's cut, I'm sorry. It's it's to me, it's what the theatrical version had kind of a dark undertone in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel with the ending, it kind of pulled the rug out from underneath it at least with the director's cut it stayed with it and it felt like it all the way throughout so the tone was kind of set all the way through okay so i would i i love the director's cut i i really thought even though and like you said when she does that little small rendition right before she dies of somewhere that's green <sighs> i, I ain't gonna lie it, it i do get a little choked up i'm not you, gonna lie you get a little verklempt Oh yeah, that'd, that'd be rough. <laughs> <laughs> that would be rough to watch, though. But yeah, I'll have it, to get that from you because you know I gotta now I gotta see it and inform opinions. But yeah, 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 eighty six, full sure. I fucking love this movie so goddamn much. And now, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and I love the soundtrack. I listen to that like all the fucking time. So yeah. So now this is the third one we've done. How does this remake stack up to the other two we've already reviewed? Way fucking better. Way fucking <laughs> better. Okay, so Nightmare was just shit. Don't watch it. Except for the, the cold open and the murder scene in the diner. That's that's about as good as you're going to get. Uh, Friday the 13th. And again, because I went in expecting one thing and got something a little different worth a watch you can rage watch it and you can hate it when you come out of it because of how they change things uh, with the jason lore and everything but it's still kind of interesting i'm not saying i like it or anything but it, it's definitely something that i was caught off guard wasn't expecting and was like okay so this is what i'm getting okay <laughs> uh, all right all right it's i mean it's not as stupendous as it maybe claims to be a couple of times. We really got to but... do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of opened the door for that though. I, yeah. I, I <laughs> yes, it did have stupendous tits, but that's about all it had going for it. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, you're wrong. So yeah. So 
60s little shop and then the uh, uh, Friday remake and then Nightmare. It's my ranking order of the originals. So what about you? No, remakes or originals? Because you said Oh, shit. Okay, so for the originals. Well, damn it. No. I'm just well, getting them confused. Okay, hold for on. The, let's go okay. back. To, let's go back to remake. So for remakes. Okay. okay. Let me re-answer that question because I realized I started thinking about it more in terms of out of our three episodes and the ones that I hadn't seen, how I ranked them. So that's what I did. My bad. So let's go with remakes. Just just the three remakes. Okay. And then we can do originals then as a separate category. Okay. So with the remakes, uh, 86 Little Shop, hands down. And then, yeah, Friday, just because it is different. And I think people should just stay far, far away (laughs) from Nightmare on Elm Street remake. (sighs) Okay. 100% agree with that. So you don't have to ask me that question. I 100% agree with that statement. Awesome. Because I don't want to have to rethink about Nightmare. Never again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For originals, Friday the 13th. Because, uh, again, I think it's just another one of those. I saw it young and kind of grew up with it and everything. So there's just more of a a nostalgic bond to it. Um, I guess, yeah. uh, Nightmare, Friday, and 60s Little Shop. You? I would say the same thing. I would say I liked, I mean, the the whole Freddy thing was kind of a game changer, I think, in the whole slasher kind of thing, especially with the dream element to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that Friday didn't have Jason as the uh, as the killer anyway. I mean, granted, it was his mom. Great twist. Loved it. But I don't know. The whole Freddy character does it for me because that's what you think of when you think of Nightmare. And when you think of Friday, you, th- you think of Jason. So to have it be his mom kind of takes away from that a little bit. And then, like we said, we we don't hate or even dislike the sixties version of little shop. It's just, it, it mean, exists. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so I think when I, when I months ago, when I brought this up to you, like as far as a remake, cause I was watching little shop. I'm like, well, maybe we could do, we could do this as a, as one of our podcasts. And you were, I think you were taken off guard. Like, wait, there was an original or something. And yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, we could do this. And then you were like all over it. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, we're record. And then I got <laughs> way busy and I wasn't able to do it for till today. So. Yeah, no, I'm glad. Yeah. So it was you that had brought it up to me. So, and then it was kind of funny because after we had that discussion separately, someone else had brought up like a few weeks later hey did you know there's a 60s version of little shop so i don't know because it's a friend of mine so i don't know if he had ended up listening to the episode and was just gonna send me the link or something but i just thought it was kind of weird like it just the 60s version got brought up to me twice in a fairly short amount of time so i'm like the universe is telling me something it's telling me to watch this old ass movie where the neighbor man from Gremlins eats flowers. <laughs> I wonder what flowers. He, <laughs> I wonder what flowers if he actually was eating carnations or if they just I was going to say maybe they got some edible flowers. But considering the the rushness of it, probably not. He might have just been eating carnations. 
it's Dick Miller. I bet he ate real flowers. That guy is a pro. I did read that he did actually eat the flowers. Um, and then I guess he had done some talk show guest spots or something kind of around that time or whatever. And they brought it up and he would eat flowers. I think he, I think I read that he would take flowers with him to show that it wasn't that it was real, that he was actually eating them. So and I'm like, but are you eating legitimate edible flowers or are you just I'm dominant species? I eat flowers. Either way, I don't, know. I don't care. But I just thought it was kind of interesting because I'm like, well, they probably did not find that have the time and, and resources to go get actual eating flowers. He probably just ate yeah. flowers. Bless him. Oh, wow. Well, this has been awesome. I've been looking forward to this. I'm glad we got to work it out and get a recording in today. What do you think we should do next? We've got a whole list of shit we always ramble on about, but anything yeah. that you're kind of dying to do next or there are a couple, but we, we should probably close this out. We can discuss that <laughs> afterwards. I don't, I don't want to give the viewers like uh, an idea and then they'll be like, well, when is it coming out? When is it mm -hmm. coming out? And when are you guys going to shit on the ho Halloween Rob Zombie movie? <laughs> oh, God. See, I mentioned that in as a joke last time we were talking and we did the podcast and then I actually found out that there was one and now I'm just like, do I really want to do it? Because I know we <laughs> wanted to maybe do that for like as a Halloween special mm -hmm. and now I'm just like, so now I might actually have to do it soon. And I'm just like, I do not want to do that. <laughs> we might have to postpone it till 2022. We'll figure it out. And we'll, we'll surprise y'all when we do. But I guess uh, until then, thanks for joining me today, Dozer. Long time Thank no you. shooting the shit. And uh, thanks for listening, Bubblers. That's what I call you now. It's the name for my listeners and uh, keep streaming. Bye. Bye. No more. Bye. <laughs> I don't do bye. <laughs> I feel like it's too British.